Welcome back. It's time for another Word Balloon podcast. John Suntress here. We've got an exclusive for you today. Very excited about this. Greg Rucka is joining us to talk about the recent news that he made, uh, DC Rebirth. They had the big presentation last weekend at WonderCon, and among the announcements and one of the true highlights of the DC announcements, Greg Rucka returns to Wonder Woman. Man, hard to believe it was 12 years ago, back in 2004, when Greg took over the book after successful runs on Batman and Detective Comics, uh, a little bit of dabbling with Superman, more of that came along uh, during the next few years. But Greg really shined on Wonder Woman, and it only happened all too briefly. He and Rags Morales were doing an excellent story that got diverted by Infinite Crisis. Rucka played a big part of that, so did Wonder Woman, one of the uh, key incidents uh, that led to Infinite Crisis. Uh, Wonder Woman killing Max Lord, the former benefactor of the Justice League, who t- it turned out was evil all along and was mind-controlling Superman and uh, had Superman uh, in a position where he would either be killed or kill himself. And to uh, save Superman from that disgrace or death, Wonder Woman took matters in her own hands, uh, warrior that she is, and killed Max Lord. And we were about to get into some really interesting stuff of uh, the ramifications of that. How would it impact the Trinity? How would Batman and Superman, uh, you know, react to such a terrible feat? Infinite Crisis happened. Then one year later, and they decided to uh, do all new creative teams for the one year later. So Greg was taken off of Wonder Woman. Uh, Some different uh, incidents ensued. And uh, Greg had a bit of a disagreement with the uh, guys who ran D.C. And he walked away back in 2009. And it didn't look like he was ever going to come back to D.C. He had done some recent work for Marvel. But uh, clearly, uh, conditions have changed. And I'm glad to hear that. And now Greg comes back to Wonder Woman. What does that mean for Wonder Woman? What does it more importantly mean for his creator-owned books? I mean, Greg's been on a hell of a tear with things like Stumptown, Lazarus, and, of course, Black Magic. In fact, he and his Black Magic uh, collaborator, Nicholas Scott, who we all love, uh, is joining him on Wonder Woman along with Liam Sharp. And uh, what does that do for Black Magic, uh, a book that has just reached the end of its first arc? The uh, the trade is coming out soon. All of that is discussed, its impact on all of Greg's creator-owned books, why he decided to come back, and why it seems like the right move now for DC. I even opened things up uh, to the Word Balloon audience to ask some questions. You'll be hearing those questions as well. But uh, as usual, an excellent Rucka debrief. But uh, a lot of uh, big news to discuss on this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. It all happens on today's Word Balloon, and it's all brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Great deals are happening right now at InStock Trades. Let's get to them. Things like the uh, East of West Trade Paperback Volume 5. John Hickman and Nick Dragata's excellent series continues, and uh, Volume 5 is 50% off. It's just $7.49. You can get the Iron Man Epic Collection Duel of Iron with uh, Luke McDonald and the great Denny O'Neill. It's 50% off, just $19.99. The first volume of Paper Girls is out from Image. Brian K. Vaughn, Cliff Chang, what a great series. 50% off for Volume 1, just $4.00. And 99 cents. You can also get things like the 100 Bullets trade paperback uh, book five. Brian uh, Azzarello, Eduardo Riso, it is uh, 45% off, just $13.74. You can get Lantern City, an excellent book from Boom Studios featuring Paul Jenkins and Carlos Mango. Excellent stuff, 30% off, $17.49.
finally, I can't believe it's finally back in print. Uh, we were talking about this uh, at uh, Cincinnati Con last year. Evan Dorkin and Kevin O'Neill's excellent World's Funniest featuring uh, Batmite and Mr. Mixiez Pitalik in the fight you never thought you'd see uh, going through various uh, alternate universes and a really, really funny book. 45% off, $10.99. Robert Kirkman and Charlie Allard continue to kill it on The Walking Dead, no pun intended. Uh, Volume, what are we up to? Volume 25. Holy cow. Man, 42% off, $8.69. That's just the tip of the iceberg of some of the great savings you'll find at InStockTrades.com. Don't take my word for it. Check out the great deals. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you receive free shipping, and you will find great books at prices you won't believe. InStockTrades.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, as always, for your support. Uh, Word Balloon is free. It will always be free. But if you want to help the cause and would like to subscribe to Word Balloon, uh, you'd really be helping me out. Uh, any Anything you can afford uh, from a dollar a month uh, to whatever, uh, it really helps me in terms of my travels and going to conventions and making those connections that end up uh, resulting in great episodes of Word Balloon. So thank you all for your support. Uh, tell a friend if you enjoy Word Balloon that uh, they can find great comic book conversation right here each week. But uh, for more information on how to subscribe to Word Balloon via Patreon, go to my website, wordballoon.com. There's a Patreon ad there right on the front page. Click on that. It will take you to more details on how you can subscribe. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners. All right, without further ado, let's uh, catch up with Greg Rucka and find out why now is a great time to come back to Wonder Woman and DC Comics and the impact it has on his creator-owned books. A great Rucka debrief begins now on Word Balloon. Well, it's uh, it's sooner than later for a new Rucker report, and uh, this is what happens when uh, big news happens with Greg Rucker. So, welcome back, man. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a uh, it's a hasty debrief, I think, this time. Yeah. Well, we'll see, Michael. Um, you're, you're Michael Corleone. Those are my first words. <laughs> they were. That was the email. Yeah, yeah. It's a little Godfather Three moment, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I, well, I'm thrilled because, dude, you you know Wonder Woman, and I'm sure I've already said this in the intro, so people know what we're talking about already. You're returning to Wonder Woman, and um, yeah. yeah, this is I'm I'm thrilled, but I want you know I honestly I, I want to make sure that you're, you know, obviously you are content <laughs> with the deal. That's why you're doing it. Yeah, I mean, it, this this wouldn't have happened if if you know if 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 I wasn't in a place where I felt like this was, this was going to be, uh, you know, as close to what I want it to be as, as it can. Um, you know, I, 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 I know there, there have to be a couple of people out there who are, go- who, who are like, Oh my God, they've got Ruckus kids, you know, or something <laughs> like that, you know? Um, but it's, it really, I mean, it really wasn't, no, <clears throat> you know what? I'll be honest. I mean, it, it wasn't an easy walk back. Um, and you know, I put up a, a, a post on my Tumblr the day of the announcement. Okay. And <clears throat> sort of mentioned in it that uh, I think one of the things I had said, you know, I was I was putting up questions and then providing answers. And one of them, you know, one of the fake questions I was answering was, you know, I thought you hated DC and we're never going to work for them again, and you're a terrible hypocrite, and I'm never going to read anything you write. And you know, I said, look, you know, I never hated DC. You know, my my relationship with DC, as of seven years ago, had reached such a, a low point that uh, it was, you know, I had to step away. Um, 
but uh, having done that, you know, it was it was a long walk back. Um, and there's nothing, you know, I'm, I'm 46, and mm-hmm. I have learned that absolutes are a dangerous thing. And, you know, making a declaration like never is, is a quick way to get into trouble, and it's a quick way to have to eat your words a lot of the time. So here's the narrative, all right? The, the narrative is as follows. I got a call from Jeff about a little over a month ago at this point. And he and I have spoken a few times in the last couple of years. Uh, and sometimes it's for longer and sometimes it's for shorter. And most of the time, the conversation has revolved around, uh, you know, how he's doing, what I'm up to. And then somewhere in that conversation will be, you know, <clears throat> he, he will he will say to me, you know, it would be great to have you back at D.C. And invariably in those conversations, I would say, well, yes. <laughs> you know, I suppose it would be, uh, he said, you know, uh, standing proudly in the sunlight. And, you know, I've talked to Dan a few times since then and uh, as well, you know, and I've done a little work for DC in the interim. I did uh, uh, an American Vampire story at, uh, at Scott Snyder's invitation. Cool. It was edited by Mark Doyle. Uh, and when they did Convergence, you know, Dan called me up. And, right. And, yeah, and, and he had called up, and, and he prefaced the conversation by saying, I suspect you're going to say no, but I had to offer this to you first, and then laid out, you know, convergence. And it was like, you know, it's, it's, it's Renee. It's, it's the pre-New 52 Renee. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not, like, it's not like groundwork hadn't been laid. Okay. So Jeff and I had a, a very long talk, and he basically laid out, what they were planning for rebirth, not in terms of this is the story, but in terms of what, what they were hoping to accomplish. And he ended up by saying, <clears throat> you know, Dan was going to call, but he was afraid you'd just say no out of hand. And, and, and Jeff had said, you know, we really we would love it if, if, you'd, if you'd come back and, and write Diana. So at that point, I was like, all right, well, let me talk to Dan. Uh, and he happened to be in town. So he and I got together, and uh, we had a really good conversation. It was very productive, and I basically told him these are the things I would need. You know, I would I would need certain assurances, um, especially if you're asking me to come back on something that's going to be published twice a month. Um, and he, you know, he, I mean, he he was entirely amenable. So, <clears throat> you know, I left that conversation. And, well, you know, I got to think about it. And I, uh, you know, I, I got home and uh, I spoke to my better half, you know. Uh, and Jen was fairly suspicious and not unreasonably so because she, you know, she, she got to witness <laughs> the state I was in way back sure. when. And... You know, we, 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 we took the better part of a week going back and forth on it and talking about it and trying to balance the workload and looking around and seeing, okay, well, what, what would have to give? What could I maintain? Mm-hmm. What's, what's the net positive? You know, what are the protections? How, you know, what, how, how, how foolish and or wise is this going to be? 
right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, the long and the short of it was, you know, I went back to Dan and I sort of laid out my terms a little more explicitly. And they drew up paperwork. And, you know, I spoke to uh, basically, you know, just about everybody that was going to be involved with on this project. And the more we started talking about it, you know, certainly it's not that far it, it, it's not it, it, it's not a long trip for me to go from where I am, you know, a month ago to uh, Diana's world. Okay. Know? It's just it wasn't that that wasn't a long walk for me. Um, okay. Certain characters have that resonance, you know, for 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 writers, I guess, and 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 she certainly did for me. So, I think. You know, once we once we dove in, it happened very quickly. The biggest thing was, <clears throat> excuse me, I got together with uh, uh, with Jeff and Burbank, and we had a discussion about what the story would be, and 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 uh, and, and my editors on the book uh, as well. And coming out of that conversation, I called Nicola, and because I had already spoken to Liam. And uh, and Liam and I had had an initial conversation that was really fantastic. And I had called him with intention of, you know, we were going to be on the phone for like 15 minutes. And I think we talked for an hour and a half. Excellent. Um, yeah. And it and and there was an immediate simpatico. Uh, and you know, there are certain things. Well, there's all sorts of stuff to discuss there. But you know, I had left that conversation going, okay, this is this is really good. The big problem that I see in this is that if you're putting out bi-monthly, you're putting artists in a position where they don't really have the opportunity to buy in on the story they're drawing because you're going to burn through them so fast. Um, you know, and I had told Dan, you know, if you want this bi-monthly, you know, we need four regular artists on this book, you know, and he had been like, you can do it with three. And I was like, no, you can't, no, you can't. You're going to need four because, you know, they, you'll burn out your artists. You'll just, it's an incredible workload to put them under. Is it, is it alternating arcs or is it alternating issues? Well, so everybody's, everybody who's doing the bi-monthly is, is going to be doing it their own way. Okay. My solution was to say, okay, what, what I want to do is give, uh, give at least the first two artists a clear opportunity to really put a stamp on a story right mm-hmm. so that was and that was where i was like all right so i got to talk to nick because nicola and i have known each other for over a decade and the way we met was shared love of diana yep that was how we met and pretty much from the first conversation we ever had it was well this would be a great thing to do someday this would be a wonderful story to tell so it was very clear to me with, with what I was being asked to do with Rebirth. And there is, there is a mandate. There are things that they want to accomplish. Um, one arc would need to be, quote-unquote, contemporary in the DCU, right? It's taking place now in the DC universe. Right. And that was when I was like, well, okay, so this is the, the my, my immediate solution is, all right, so Liam will draw the current, the year 10, and at the same time, Nick will draw the year one, and the first 12 issues, therefore, will be alternating. So odd-numbered issues, right, starting with issue one, are set 
in current continuity, and that's its own storyline. It's called The Lies, Wonder Woman, The Lies. And then the even-numbered issues uh, for six are Wonder Woman Year One, and that's Nicola's arc. So when I discussed it with Nicola, you know, we went through contortions because, you know, Black Magic, right. yeah, Black, Black Magic is well underway. We were yes. on trade break, right? We just right. had come out with issue five. We're waiting for the trade to come, and then, you know, she was drawing issue six. And sort of, you know, talked to her and talked to Janine, and we're like, well, how do we, because if we're going to do it, we have to do it now. Because there's no other, uh, otherwise, you know, it's going to be eight, ten months before Nick is in a position to take on the work, right? Okay. We, were in, we were in a natural pause. So, and, and I think it would have been infinitely worse for Black Magic readers if we had said, oh, here's issue seven, we're halfway through the next arc, but we're going on hiatus. Don't mind us, we'll be back. You know, if, if, if the opportunity was there and if we needed to go on hiatus, then this was the place to do it. This was the time. So, you know, we talked to Janine, uh, our editor, and we sort of worked up a schedule based on what we knew. And then we looked at that schedule and we said, okay, best case scenario, this is when we could be back. Worst case scenario, this is when we're back. And that was it. I mean, that was that was the, the final sort of decision. So, you know, uh, look, you know, they came to me and they said, uh, we, we would very much like it if you would write Diana again. And there were pretty much three characters that they could have said that with and they would have gotten my full attention. Okay. You know, and Diana was one of them. Certainly. So, um, Did you, do you want to name the other two or no? Yeah, yeah, Renee and Kate. You know, Renee yeah. and Kate. No, anybody who knows my work at DC could have answered that for you. <laughs> well, I probably, figured, but you could probably stick Helena in there too. You know. Sure, sure. Uh, and and yeah, I guess you can. It says a hell of a lot about me that they're all women. You know, but those are all the characters that you know. I know somebody goes and they say it's Batman, and people will fall all over themselves for it. But I honestly feel like, you know, I, I, I did my duty by Batman. Um, and Batman is an excellent hand. You know, Batman's never going to want for people to uh, to get in there and, and, and do heavy lifting for him. And I don't mean to, you know, make myself... It sounds a little arrogant because they, by extrapolation, and I don't mean it to. There are a lot of people who would love to be writing Diana. Sure. But, but I have to admit, um, and I think if we're honest there are less of them than would want to be writing Batman, right? I agree, absolutely. And, and it's not that people would get offered it and say no, necessarily. It's just, you know, we, we know, you know, the movie's called Batman versus Superman. You know what I mean? For, it's, for, it's named that for a reason. Um, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm bummed. You were, you were saying before we started recording, you haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't had a chance yet. Um, I'm thinking if I can get some work done, Tonight, and if I can get the schedule clear enough tomorrow, I may try to see uh, an early show tomorrow morning. Well, I might, uh, I might impose on you because you're one of those guys. It's like you, Wade, uh, I haven't heard back from Mark. I reached out to Jerry Conway, uh -huh. and Jerry's like, I think I've vented my spleen enough online. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't think I have anything left. I'm like, all right, man, no right. problem. You know, but just people that get these characters, you know? Right, but, you know, and I've said, you know, this is, again, you know, we, we've talked about this in other debriefs. Uh, they're clearly pursuing, they're clearly pursuing an agenda in these movies that doesn't fit 
with my take on these characters, you know, and, sure. and I, I mean, this is just not, these aren't them to me. Right. To say that that's not them is kind of a bolder statement that I'm not sure I'm willing to buy into because quite clearly, you know, there's a Batman and a Superman on the big screen. So to say that's not them, you know, well, no, that's this iteration of them. Right. Um, everything I hear leads me to believe that it's not an iteration that I have uh, any passion for. And, and I'll be perfectly frank. I'm seeing this movie because I understand there's seven minutes in it with a woman named Gal Gadot. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah. and that uh, her seven minutes are actually quite good. Yes. Um, <laughs> I hope it's more than seven minutes. I saw it. I don't know what it actually clocks out to be, but yeah, no, there's definitely things that I would love to hear your opinion on that, yeah. you know, give there are tidbits of what we'll get in the Wonder Woman movie and obviously yeah. just her own performance. And yeah, I think she's great. Yeah. So, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. And one of the things that we are, and you can see it in the art that Liam's released so far is, you know, Diana, you know, Diana post rebirth is very much at least costumed in that mold. Mm-hmm. Now, having not seen it and having no access to the film, and this is interesting and I think worth worth noting as well, is one of the things I asked Jeff in the initial conversation was how much synergy is there expected to be between the cinematic and, and the comics? And he said none whatsoever. Cool. And that, that to me was the right answer. Indeed. You know, he was like, these are not supposed to ape or follow or, or, or anything else. He says the comics are the comics. And, uh, you know, if he had said otherwise, it would have been a much harder yes for me to make. Sure. Um, but but that response was very heartening um, because letting, you know, then I don't have to worry. You know, I don't have to worry what they're doing. And I don't have to worry about following it. I think her, co- I like her movie costume. Agreed. I think, I think the movie costume, by by dint of it needing to be worn by an actress, uh, who has to punch and kick and jump, uh, solve some of the problems with that costume. Uh, and so I was like, yo, you know what? Well, I'll run with that. I got no problem with that. So, And that's a huge help. And I think uh, if there is any uh, viewers of the film itself when it comes out, or even, you know, what little they've seen so far in Batman Superman – then, yeah, at least, you know, uh, from a surface standpoint, I agree with you. I think the costume's fine. Uh, kind of in that same way that I like comic book Oliver Queen uh, getting closer and closer to Amel on the TV show and everything. And I, there are things about the TV show I like. I really, I mean, I'm, I'm an old fart. I like Oliver Queen, you know, and, and the yeah, same goes yeah, yeah. with, you know, your Diana for that matter. So would you say that, um, and I don't want you to, you know, flip your cards over because I like to read a story. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you, John. I appreciate it. But but that said, are you because I know that, well I know that you know ten years ago or so when Infinite Crisis happened that sidetracked what you were doing in, in Wonder Woman at the time. Yeah, and, and well, and, and and let's 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 be let's be blunt. I was fired off the book. You know, we came after we came out of Infinite Crisis, and I was informed I was no longer writing it. Okay, from the consequences of was it because of the reader response to Wonder Woman killing Max Lord, or? Mm-hmm. No, no, it was because that was not me going rogue. That had been planned. No. Oh no, you know? I realize so, that. But yeah, I mean, it's just that you're. No, it was. Back it and... was. It was. It was. It was the company looking at what's the next publishing initiative. We've got this thing, and now we're going to do it one year later. What's the jump? And the jump was well, you know, we're we're, we're changing all these titles. We're changing all the creative teams. 
Um, I had killed Max with a plan to follow up that story quite extensively um, because I had felt, and again, we've talked about this in other debriefs, that was an act that, if it wasn't answered, was going to be a drive-by. Going in there and saying, let's do something fundamentally... You, you drive. Yeah, it's a. You said if it's not going to be an endpoint, it's going to be a driving point. It's a drive-by. It's a drive-by. Okay. Yeah, it's doing a drive-by on the character. It's 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 taking, uh, it's telling a story that fundamentally that that takes a fundamental truth of the character and throws it into question. Yes. Right. And if you do that, <clears throat> and then you leave, you're kind of an asshole. Yeah. And it had never been my intention to be an asshole to Diana. There was an answer to that story. And, but, you know, I don't know the character. It was the publisher's prerogative to say, well, it's all well and good that you have an answer to that story. No longer interested in that story. So we're going over here instead. And that's when Alan took over, right, Heiberg? Yeah. Yeah, that's when Alan came on. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, and that's what followed. Sure. And like I said, that's... You know, I can go back and I can, you know, was that another straw in, in, in the load that eventually broke the camel's back when I left D.C. back in 2009? Probably. Um, you know, there were a lot of straws. So, you know. Well, you know, it's been it's been out there on the on the blogs about an opportunity to tell Wonder Woman Earth One. Is your Wonder Woman Year One story rebirth a way to tell maybe some of the story that you wanted to tell in that book? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm not making any bones about that. I, I it's not Earth One. You know, Grant's got his story and he's sure. telling it. And uh, uh, but one of the things that we had hoped to do way back when I was going to do Wonder Woman Earth One was sort of address what I think are some of the some of the inconsistencies that have shown up over the years in the origin. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not retelling the origin per se. Um, Diana's year one is a different, is a different year one uh, in, in a lot of ways. It's not an origin story in the same way that I think, you know, look at Batman year one. Batman year one is an origin story. Yes. You know, it is, it is, it's, it's the book after the origin. And, Year one is about how she leaves the island and why and what happens when she gets to our world. Um, And part of what we want to do with that, and and part of the reason why we have these two stories running in tandem, Mm -hmm. is that they inform one another. Um, So there are things going on in the lives that are in response to things that we will be doing in year one. Um, you know, I've had some, I saw like almost immediately there was somebody who said, I think it's a little confusing if you're going to be jumping back and forth between storylines. And my only response to that is there are two different artists, so you're not going to open the book and have no idea who did this issue, <laughs> number one. And number two, if it's really problematic, think of it as two monthlies. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> sure. it. Sure. Think of it as two monthlies. Uh, I think it's going to be perfectly clear. I see no reason why it it won't. Um, And I think one of the things it does is hopefully it will allow 
the audience to to be reading each issue and trying and 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 and, and actively seeking the points of intersection between the two. How much do you have to uh, what re- rely on or refer to what has happened in the last five years during that new fifty two? Without um, spoiling, I'm I'm not I'm I'm. I'm, it's all there. You know, I've got a, there are certain things that, you know, they, they, they've done things with the character. Mm-hmm. You can't ignore them. Okay. You, ha- you have to answer them. All right. And I think, uh, and I think trying to hide your eyes from them <laughs> is ultimately very damaging to the character. I think you have to turn into them, um, the, the good and the bad. Uh, whatever those things may be. Uh, and like I said, I was given a pretty clear set of instructions. Uh, what, what, what was, what the goal was, what they wanted out of these issues. Um, so the goal, you know, my, my job is to tell the best Diana stories I can that fulfill that. So it's, it's a bigger meta story and your Diana story needs to fit within that meta story. No, that, okay. because that, that makes it sound like there's this great big event thing. Right, and that's and, not what happens. And okay. it isn't, and I, think it's, and I think it's significant of that. And one of the, again, one of the things I was told right up is that, you know, yeah, eventually there's going to be this thing. You don't have to play in it if you don't want. Okay. And I was like, really? <laughs> you, know, I was like, <laughs> well, you guys are making this deal sound really good, you know? <laughs> um, and that's not to say that I, that I won't. And it's not to say that somebody else won't write Diana in it. You know, okay. she's going to be in a she's going to be in the Justice League, right? Of course. You know, but the you know the goal was, but DC is never better than when their stories are character focused and thematically driven. All right. Mm-hmm. The the successes that I was uh, a part of, that I got to participate in when I was at DC for those many years, the, 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 the biggest triumphs were the stories that were born out of an idea, out of asking a question about the nature of the universe and about these characters, and then telling the story to answer them. Mm-hmm. That's That's how you get 52. That's how you get infinite crisis comes out of the question. And it's a great question. What happens to the DC universe when the three pillars no longer are working together, when they're no longer in sync, when Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are no longer the Trinity, when something has happened that has eroded those relationships, i.e. Diana kills Max Lord and Batman spying on everybody with a giant, you know... With Brother Eye. Uh, yes, with Brother Eye, and all of these things are going on. Right. What happens? And the answer is really bad things. <laughs> <laughs> the, the answer is really, really bad things happen. Um, and you know what? That is the right answer. Sure. Because that's the DC Universe. That's what makes the DC Universe. That story, too. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what does happen, we want to know. Well, here, we'll get all the issues to tell you. Here we go. Exactly. Two Ex- to tell you the aftermath of Infinite Crisis, obviously. Yeah, you got it. They're gone when they walk away. Exactly. And what happens when people have to step up? Yeah. And then within 52, asking specific questions, you know, asking some really hard questions that look deceptively easy. What is the nature of heroism in this universe? 
is it simply an issue of having powers? Well, we know the answer is no. All right. What is the nature of death in, in the DC universe? How is it that some people get to die and come back like it's, you know, uh, it's just a, a short, you know, opportunity to catch your breath on the bench? Yep. And other people go into the ground. They don't come out. Yep. You know, Shoot. these these were fair things to ask. These Absolutely. were good questions. And those were the driving questions behind, you know, 52. So I, I will say, I'm not going to say what it is, but I will say that Jeff presented me with a thematic that I really, really, that resonated very strongly to me. Um, that was, I think, as, as the best ones are, fundamental to the nature of the DC universe. And yeah, long term, long term, there's, there's a story that will probably ask the question directly. But in the aggregate, the line, in many ways, is trying to answer the question more subtly. And I think that that can be really, they're poised to tell some fantastic stories. So, and, you know, that's the goal. I mean, any writer, you know, you know you're going to be hard-pressed to find a writer who's going to tell you that they don't want to tell a good story. You know what I mean? Of course. So no, even yeah, even the worst story is done with the best intentions. I mean, that's why I always feel like a jag when, like I, I don't, I never want to like you know have somebody on and go, why did you do this? You know, <laughs> I mean, I could disagree with it and everything, but I know that like the answer is well, I, I thought it was an interesting story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're trying. Yeah, so. and I, I, I take it very seriously when when they hand you the keys to a character, you know, like Diana. They're saying, you know, you're her custodian now, and, and you need to do right by her. And, you know, it's a privilege, and it's, and it's a duty. And not to sound all West Wing, you know, but, I, uh, but to a great extent, I serve at the pleasure of the character. Um, and that's my take. Now, the company you know, has the right to say, no, you don't. You serve at the pleasure of the company, sir. Sure, sure. Uh, and and that's where you can get sources of conflict. But I'm going to always try to do what I... I will actively do what I f- hope is, is, is going to serve her best. If I fall down, if I fail, it will be, you know, in spite of best efforts. Um... And it will, you know, and it'll be because something went wrong. You know, I missed something or I lost, you know, my eye went off the ball or somebody didn't stop me when I had a really stupid idea. Um, But I've got, you know, Mark Doyle is is my editor on this. Okay, I was going to ask. All right. Yeah, and uh, basically I've got the back group editors. So I've got Mark and Chris and uh, Tay. And David, that's interesting uh, that Wonder Woman is in the, but it's not considered a bad book, but it's being edited by the bad people. Yeah, okay. um, and it's a terrific team, and, uh, and everybody on it is very sharp, and you know they, uh, we're all pulling in the same direction. That's uh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, and and <clears throat> you know it's not like they don't have a thousand other things to do, but. <laughs> But they're very passionate, and that's you know that's what I want. That's what I want. I want an editor that I can I can get on the phone and and, and argue with about my choices, and I want him to check me, 
you know, I, I want them to say, why are you doing this? You know, um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's an industry that, you know, it's an industry that still, it's a lot of guys, and it's a lot of white guys, you know, having, having Tay there really matters to me. Um, because I'm going to always try to remain aware of my blinders, but the nature of a blinder is, and well, or I should say the nature of a blind spot is you don't see it. You know, I, I want people to be able to see it. <clears throat> and, and that means in terms of gender as well, you know, um, it's one of the reasons why I was so excited to be able to work with Nick on this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, does Nick, you know, ever give you, I mean, and you've only just started doing it with Wonder Woman, but even in Black Magic and stuff, is there, are there gender things that Nick's like, well, you know, maybe not that. Yeah. One. Yeah. And, and, and Janine as well, you know, and being able to say, is this honest? Is this fair? I don't want to make it seem like every, because that, that kind of recasts it in the wrong light because it makes it seem like I'm sitting there going, do women do this? You know what I mean? And yeah. that's, that's never the question. What's there's the assurance that I can put something out and they could say, I don't know a woman who would ever do that. Right. You see what I mean? Okay. Um, or, you know, have you considered this or this reads in a way that you may not mean it to read. Um, when these words come out of a woman's mouth, it means something a little different. And I always try to stay cognizant of it, you know, in the same way that I try to stay cognizant of the background of every character, you know, what are, you know, whatever the religion, their orientation, their ethnicity. Um, but it's always good to have people who are going to double check. It's good to have people who are going to say, I'm not sure about that, Greg. Maybe not the best idea, you know, so that's the stuff that matters to me. And I think it matters a lot when you're when you're working with Diana. Because Diana is aware, and she's emblematic of, of a, uh, a level of social awareness, I think, that Batman and Superman aren't. And that's not to say that Batman and Superman are not aware, right? But they move a little differently. Diana is somebody who sort of by her nature talks about these things. Um, so, you know, well, and it's challenged as well by her role as a woman approaching these conflicts. Yes. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to have some fun in the year one, uh, in the year one stuff with that too. Cool. Excellent. So. That's great. The, um, so, so yeah, I mean, will you know, will Diana be talking to Clark down the road about their relationship that happened and um, is over? I'm not planning on doing that in the first 12, okay. uh, but that said, Dan Jurgens and I have already talked about it. Cool. Um, and we're very much on the same page about it. And it is actually addressed somewhat in the rebirth issue. Okay. So. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, because like you said, she has changed in the last five years. Mm -hmm. So... You know, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that obviously gives you a chance to really ask yourself how you approach Diana with these changes. Yeah. And and what, you know, it's, what is what is true to her and what isn't? Um, there's a reason why we're calling it The Lies. So Cool. Oh, interesting. All right. Very cool. 
Well, you know, I, I'm interested as well because, you know, you've, you've written both of these strong, strong women, Diana and Lois. How would you say their differences are? Because when you started to describe Diana as being socially aware, more so than, than you know, Bruce or Clark are or anything. But, yeah, can you compare Diana to Lois? Wow, that's an interesting question, Dylan. Um, look, I think, you know, <laughs> oh, Wow. Um, That's an essay question. Sorry, it really is. You know, <laughs> Lois will not hesitate to run in where angels fear to tread. Um, I mean, she will not. You know, Lois is is fearless, and I don't think that I, you know Diana is. You know, she's a warrior. Yeah, I was yeah, say, she's a hunter warrior kind of. Yeah, yeah, she's you know she's a warrior priest. There's much there's there's deliberation to her, um, and I think that may be sort of the biggest difference. And that's not to say that Lois is not a deep, deep thinker. Yes, she is, but I think Lois is somebody who has no fear of her passions, and has no fear of her convictions, and has no hesitation in pursuing either. Um, and I think Diana is, especially as a mature woman, you know, as as Wonder Woman with this quote unquote 10 years in, you know, away from Themyscira, you know, having been in the world, she is very deliberate and she's very cognizant of not only her actions, but the ramifications of, of all of them. Because the difference between the woman who arrives uh, in year one and the woman that you meet in the lies is one of them has the wealth of experience that she knows what it is. And she knows the symbol she is, right? Mm -hmm. When she first arrives, she has no idea how many eyes on her. She can't conceive of it. You know, she cannot imagine a world where she's going to be under that scrutiny. Um, and in the lies, that's a Diana who knows exactly the kind of scrutiny she's under. Got it. I understand. Okay. Very interesting. I uh, I'm looking over questions because you, <laughs> yes. well, because you've you've answered a lot of them, and I'm glad. So um, yeah, you know, and, and this can be a very focused conversation, as I both I think we both suspected it would be. Yeah. Uh, well, let, I, I, let's before we then jump in. Let me make this really clear because I please. know that one of the questions that's going on is you are working on other things. What's going on? Right. Well, yeah. I was so, going to ask. Okay. Yeah. So how does this right. impact all the other creator all right. projects? Last this doesn't change. Uh, Michael is finishing up drawing 22. He'll have the script for 23 next week. Uh, the Carlisle, the, 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 the Lazarus book. source book, volume one, Carlisle is out in April. Yes. Hardcover uh, for uh, our, our second volume hardcover, collecting the third and fourth arcs, right? Um, Conclave and Poison. It, which is huge because it's actually covering issues 10 through 21 inclusive with a whole passel of extras, uh, including uh, Michael's breakdown of exactly how we did the sword fight in Conclave with his notes and photos that or captures from the video that I shot of me staging the fight with a friend uh, that he used as reference. So you get to see me making really stupid looking faces um, <laughs> and the script. And then you get like a passel of the Troutman stuff that most people sort of their eye passes over um, in the book because, you know, Eric does all the screens 
on the page as well as all the propaganda posters, all of those. Yeah, the ads, which are fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, all, all that stuff. So it's a huge. I mean, it's a huge, huge book. So that's May. And then June, issue 22. And, uh, you know, the goal is to be far enough ahead that we are out every the same, like the third Wednesday of the month, starting in June. For the next five months, you get an issue of Lazarus. You get the whole, you get all of Cult. And then we'll we'll take our trade break. Uh, and then we'll probably do another source book. And then we'll move in on the next arc. So that's continuing uh, as planned. Excellent. Stumptown, same thing. Great. Uh, Justin is, uh, I got breakdowns today, uh, everything, you know, of, of the issue he's working on. I solved the problem that had been vexing me about the last page, my solution, and here's a joy of creator ownership. My solution was to go to my editor on my hands and knees and say, please, can I have more pages? Uh, and James Lucas Jones said, uh, yes, you may have two more pages. Go forth and sin no more. <laughs> um, so Stumptown issue 10 comes out, then we're on a break, and then we're starting uh, what's probably going to be a five or six issue arc. Um, that I'm still not sure exactly what I'm going to call, but it's a turn to the dark in Stumptown. Um, it's basically Oscar Marenko has had enough of of a woman out there with her with her boot on his neck, and he's going to do something about it. So tonally, you know, we came out of uh, Case of a Cup of Joe, which uh -huh. was pretty light. Let's be honest. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, no, that's <laughs> a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean the barista mafia, <laughs> and and then it sort of ends on this emotional kind of modal note it's a little little goes a little sour and then we've got this standalone in 10 that's actually very little dialogue in it it's basically one night of decks on surveillance and then we're going to go into this next arc so that's continuing as planned um lady saber yes. uh is uh, rick is I can't say what he's doing right now, but he's doing a thing. When he's done doing the thing, he will have script, and we will resume the epilogue and then move into book two. So that will be getting back on track. Okay. Uh, that's entirely been on me. And then the big one is uh, obviously Black Magic. Yes. As it stands right now, Black Magic is on hiatus. Plan is to be back on the stands April 2017, sooner if we can. The trade is coming out as planned. Okay. And all goes well. Uh, we will be coming back with sort of uh, instead of coming back with the issue six we had planned, we're going to do we're, we're basically going to take that story and we're going to do sort of a we're we're going to we're going to take a slightly different view. So six as Nicola has been working on it will still exist, but we're going to we're going to do something else as well sort of to ease the ease the return uh and hopefully all goes well some people will have loved what we did on on, on wonder woman year one and and they will they will come and, and read black magic that would be great sure so, so that that there in the nutshell for people who are wondering that's what it means would it has the response to black magic's first start been good yeah it's been really really wonderfully positive and, okay. and it seems that, like it yeah yeah, and that was one of the reasons why I think Nick and I were just in fits over this. Um, and honestly, at the end of the day, it really came down to her and I, you know, on Skype, 
you know, late one night for me at least, you know, going, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, this is, this is the only chance we're going to get to do this. The stars aligned. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if we don't take it now, we're never going to get it again. And, and, and if it had, and I have to tell you, if it had been anything else, it wouldn't have been even a subject of conversation. It just wouldn't have been something either of us would have looked at it and been like, yeah, okay, let's do this. We would have just been, no, we, we're, we have an obligation to black magic. We've committed to this. It's kind of, and, it reminds me of when Miller came back to uh, Daredevil with Born Again, mm-hmm. where that, you know, he was already, you know, flirting with doing his own stuff and even leaving and stuff. And it was like, yeah, before you leave, mm-hmm. this. <laughs> it's like, yeah. all right, you and Mazzuccelli, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and I know and, he came and, back with Ramita with Man Without Fear, but you know what I mean, in terms of I, just regular continuity absolutely. and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and look, Nick and I, we're going to, you know, we, Black Magic has an end. You know, this, it's, a, it's, it's 30 issues. You know, now it may be 31. Okay, um, it's next trip. Yeah. Return. But, you know, yeah. we're, we're going to, we're telling the story we should have to tell. Um, this is, this is a pause in it, and this will be the only pause we allow ourselves. Cool. So. No, I, I, and I get it, and I think that's, it's a good opportunity for you. I'm glad the conditions are right for yeah. you to come back to Diana. And that's great news for all your other creator-owned stuff, and clearly Black Magic was the one that was going to have the most direct impact. So, but you guys you seem to have a good schedule and, you know, yeah, here's hoping that it, you know, it works out. So you said uh, uh, two other artists, have they not announced those two other artists yet on Wonder Woman? Right now, I'm just worried about these first 12 issues. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, my, my, Liam and I have talked about the all 24. So, you know, Liam and I, I think are, are in, I, I am committed to 24 issues right okay. that's that was that was the commitment it was a one-year commitment okay that does not mean at the end of the year it's automatically over um yeah you reassess right but it means that they're going to get 24 and of those 24 liam and i are, are 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 the we're the trunk of the tree uh nick is doing six uh after nick no idea okay um i'm sure that i'm sure there's a list somewhere of people that they, they would like us to use but um, I will tell you right now, uh, I, I mean, I will tell you right now, if Liam could do it all, he would. Um, he is on fire, uh, on fire about this. That's he great. Is I've seen two finished pages already from his first issue, um, and that's in two days. I mean, he's just... Wow. Yeah, and breakdowns for the third and... He is, I mean, literally, it is like somebody, I, I, I don't have a word for it. He is, he's as passionate about this as I am, if not more so. Um, so, you know, I know, the only thing I know is that he and I are, he and I are going to be there for, for 24. Okay. Um, Nick's doing year one, and then she's going back to Black Magic. So. That's great, man. And, you know, I, you know, I know briefly you guys did the Blackest Night Wonder Woman arc. Yeah, that was the only other time she and I really have worked together. On the DC thing, yeah. Jesus Christ. No, it was that. It was Blackest Night was really the first time she and I ever got to work together. Yeah, I didn't and, realize that. Because, yeah, yeah, I was and, thinking Wonder Woman, and you're like, no, everything. And uh, prior yeah. to Black Magic, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I know you guys have been friends for so long, too. Yeah. Jesus. It took us over a decade just to get into a position where we could work together. So, 
there this you is, go. Yeah, this that's nuts, man. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, that's good. And I'm glad and also, you know, really glad to uh both on Stumptown and I forgive me, I've always forget is it Justin? Yeah, Justin Green. Yeah, it is Justin, yes. Okay. Yeah, Justin is doing great on Stumptown. You know, Mike's doing great on Lazarus, obviously, too. So and yeah. and Rich as well on uh, on Lady Sabres. So I'm glad yeah. all that is you know, manageable and really, wow, I'm excited to hear what uh, whatever Rich has got going on yeah. when, when it's time to hear his announcement. So that's cool. Yeah, there, there, will be, there will be news in the next uh, week or so, oh uh, my. I believe. Yeah. Wow. So. so there you go. Yeah, that Image Expo is coming. That's that's my that's my what my spider sense is telling me. And, but and, of course, and Emerald, Emerald City, City in, gen- yeah. in general, Emerald of course. City. Are you so going? You go. Are you there? I am not. I Good am for not. Yeah, you need a break. All right. <laughs> yeah. You're not throwing away your shot. Hey, did did Wonder did Wonder Woman come up? Oh, excuse me, if you had to take a second. No, no, no. Go on. Did did one was Wonder Woman the thing that came up that kept you from uh, coming to Chicago? Uh, no, that okay. was something else that I can't talk about. Okay. Uh, but but there was something that came up and came up very quickly, and I could not. I, I just I couldn't make the C two E two. I just couldn't do it, and. Oh, you have no idea how pissed off I was. Oh, my man. Um, I know. Well, I know. And I likewise, uh, and uh, certainly not just me. There's a million of us in Chicago that were. Yeah, there are a lot of people in Chicago and, and other other places who came to that show, I think, who have every reason to be pissed at me. Um, and I apologize. And, and hopefully, hopefully soon I'll be able to say this is why I wasn't there. And I'm really sorry. Understood. Well, you, you can always say it here. And I, you know, and thank you for doing this again. That's that's really nice, man. That you're uh, letting everybody know what's going on with Wonder Woman here. Is before we leave, and I start asking questions from the readers. Is there any other way to describe what Jeff and you know Dan and Jim, for that matter, are looking for in Rebirth that you can verbalize before we move on to other uh, people's questions? Because I mean, really, you know, they, they've they've kept it in the abstract. I don't want again, as you know, I don't want spoilers. I just had Ethan on because Ethan yeah. has always been Jeff's collaborator on Rebirth, and I'm like, what does Rebirth mean to you? Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, what does Rebirth mean to you in terms of what you're, you know, trying to bring here? Look, I think for people who saw the live stream of the announcement, um, Dan, you know, Dan was, you know, I know, I know, people look at him and, and trust me, I've been on the end of this, so I know that they go, oh, he's a salesman, and. Yeah, of course he is. That's part of his job. But he was absolutely honest when he said, you know, sometimes you got to course correct. Um, you know, sometimes you got to look and see what you did and see what you did wrong and fix it. And that's really what this is about. It's just trying to get back to the cores of these characters. Um, and that's sort of my mandate here. Okay. Very cool. Uh, I will move on to some of these questions. Some are good as abstract questions that obviously fit Wonder Woman, though, as well. And Stephen Simpson asks, what is the difference in how you approach writing a female lead in a superhero book as opposed to a more reality-based book? So I guess female in a reality sense, like, you know, pretty much everything else. Like, well, more, certainly more realistically in Stumptown. Um, um or is there a difference? Yeah, I'm trying to think if there is. I, I'm not sure. My first blush answer is I don't think there is a difference because I don't because I don't 
view it in terms of that. It's it's always seen through the lens of who is the character. And the character is a product of their world. So, you know, Diana is a product of Themyscira, mm-hmm. right? You know, yes, yes. she's product of, 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 of Paradise Island where they've lived 3,000 odd years in peace with the knowledge that the Greek gods are real and they've been able to make, you know, they, they, have, they have a perfect society for their needs. And they have been able to make wonderful, you know, advances in their science, in their art, in, in everything as a result of this. That's, that's who she is, right? Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, a character like Dex who, you know, uh, grew up with incredibly irresponsible parents, uh, rebelled by, you know, going into the army, much to their horror. Uh, found purpose in that service, and then uh, discovered that she was the one person who was responsible enough to actually be taking care of her little brother, and who was trying to make a go of it as a private investigator in Portland, you know, and she's the product of that environment. So it it really, it's always a, a question of who the character is. That's always, I think, the that's always the root for me. It always that's always where it starts. Very cool. Let's see. Um, ah, now Hassan Alamdari asks, and I meant to ask this as well because I wasn't sure if it came from the Deus at WonderCon or was a rumor. Um, another DC book? Are you doing some sort of Superman family book? Uh, I am not. Right now, the only thing I'm writing is Wonder Woman, and it's two issues a month, and that's a lot. Okay. So. Taking on more than that um, would potentially be very foolish. Uh, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm at a stress point right now in the workload. I'm not sure how much more I could take on at this point and, and deliver work that I felt was my best work. Uh, so taking on anything else that DC might offer um, would be, it would have to be something I consider very carefully before saying yes. Okay. Ryan Cheshire also uh, asked the same question, but also wanted to add, he's very happy you're back on Wonder Woman. It gives him hope for the whole line. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> very nice. Uh, now, I don't get this joke. Brian Crowley's asking how many teddy bears of this version of Wonder Woman will hug. <laughs> uh, Who's is that? Was, that, was that one of your old stories? I don't even know that one. I'm trying to remember. It was. See, this is the other thing, man. I wrote I, that first run was a while ago. Yeah, it was. I was um, surprised. Like, like twelve years ago. Kind of. Want to say? Yeah. Two thousand four. Yeah. 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 Oh my Jesus gosh. Christ! I know, oh man. Jesus. My God. Well, that's Dude, you know. Honestly, I was looking up, um, and I found an old CBR article that uh, was mentioning that you know you were coming up to the two hundredth issue. Mm-hmm. Of Wonder Woman, and everything. Yeah, right. and it was Our really big oversized issue two hundred. Yes, yeah, I yeah. remember. Too crazy, man. Uh, let's yeah. see. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at some of these others again. A lot of people were asking about the hiatus, how it might affect things like Black yeah. Magic and things like that. But you've discussed that. Um, Mark Lefery, uh, I don't know how to say this name. Sorry, Mark. Uh, can you ask him about the balance between lead and sp- supporting characters? How does he manage to have such strong supporting characters when many of his comic works are about a central character? He has strong, such strong supporting characters without sacrificing page time for his leads. It's amazing. 
And what, what are some of your favorite supporting characters in fiction, both yours and others? Well, that's really flattering. Um, it's a balancing act. It's funny because one of the things I'm working on right now is how to balance that in, 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 in Wonder Woman uh, because there are supporting characters that one in particular that uh, we are all really committed to making work in a way that I don't think ever has uh, and, and in a way that hopefully will make make the readers, you know, really love this character. Uh, the Etta Candy? Uh, I, I'm not going to answer it. Okay, that's okay. I, I've, said that Etta, <laughs> I've said that Etta and Steve are in it. Good. That's uh, that's about... Uh, I, I'll, there's, there's one other character I'll be willing to admit is in it. Um <laughs> If if it comes up in conversation, is, otherwise I'm playing my cards really co close to my. Is the Minotaur coming back? I forget his name. Yeah, Ferdinand. I've I've been asked about Ferdinand. <laughs> I I have yet to figure out how I can get Ferdinand back. In. I hope he comes back, man. Yeah, I I, I have a fondness for Ferdinand. <laughs> if I see a good and logical way to bring Ferdinand in, I will. The, um, the Minotaur chef. You got, he, come on, dude. Everyone wants a Ferdinand Minotaur cookbook. Yeah, well, and, and yes, yeah, that's exactly it. It's the vegetarian cookbook. So, <laughs> um, you know, favorite supporting characters. Look, it, it, the, the Gotham Central grows out of a love of those characters. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Goth Gotham Central comes out of loving Jim Gordon and following Jim down this rabbit hole of all the cops. So. You know, I would if it, you know those favorite supporting characters. I would they're not supporting characters anymore to me. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because Renee was a supporting character, true, and she sure as hell ain't to me now. Um, there's you know, Lois gets called a supporting character. She's in, and she isn't. She's a lead. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Yeah, you know, Alfred. You can go down the line. There's so many good ones. There's so many strong ones. Um, and I think part of the appeal that I find is that you get to go in and, 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 and you get to spend time with characters that haven't gotten the limelight. Um, and, and you get to pay them the respect of honoring their inner lives, if that makes sense. You know, that they're not just there to shine a light on the main character, that they have their own desires and their wants and their pains and their needs and their loves and their hates. And I think that's the thing that makes them sing. You know, when you can, when you can find the opportunity to show that, uh, then, you know, then, then you got something. Because these things are always about, you know, they're always the sum of their parts. Well, and I also I think, because um, I've heard you and, and maybe other writers say that it's always interesting to have uh, any character on, on a page while they're explaining something in the story, doing something. And I would think that some of these supporting characters, showing them in their personal life and how that moment in their personal life might contrast with the story that's being told, support the story that's being told, only enriches it more. And I know Stephen Cannell even said that, that when he was learning how to write TV, he was writing for Dragnet. And you just get those, you know, police procedural Q&As with the lady with her hair in curlers that saw the murder across the alley. And it's not just, yes, ma'am, what did you see? But it's, you know, also, I don't know if I have time for this. You know, I got to pick up my kid in three hours for his violin lesson. And you just build this, like, mini little story behind that woman in curlers while she's giving her deposition to Friday. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's those kinds of moments that flesh out the character. Now, you only got, you know, 30 seconds to a minute to do it on Dragnet. It's great when, you know, Montoya or Aristotle, you know, when when Renee in Gotham Central or to a, in a Batman story or Tot, you know, backing up Renee for that yeah. matter. You know, yeah, it's great to see those kinds of moments for these characters. Yeah, and, and to give them the honor they're due, yep. I think. So. Agreed. Um, oh, Sean Michael, did DC agree to give your wife's decree of paying you an extra uh, $10,000 <laughs> per pound that you'll agree? <laughs> that, 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 that joke was said. I'll tell you, this is probably going to embarrass Jen. But um, when I got off the initial call and uh, told Jen what had happened and uh, then said, you know, and I'm going to be meeting Dan in a couple of hours, her response says, tell him, uh, I'm going to drink this bottle of wine. And then he has to come over here and listen to me tell him what I think. <laughs> um, now, <clears throat> this tells you everything you need to know about my wife, right? That, that the premium she puts on, on, on civility and courtesy is such that she would have to get drunk. Um, so, no, there is, not, there, is not a, uh, there is not a weight gain clause. Oh, wow. Um, but... Suffice it to say, um, suffice it to say, we're we're, we're okay with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jimmy Dunn wants to know how much of uh, Brian Azzarello's run on the character did you read, and what, if any, impact would his take on the character influence the themes? Um, I read all of it. Um, I've read I, I've read all the new Fifty Two stuff that she was in. Okay. Um, it 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 affects it incredibly. <clears throat> it's 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 the primary stamp on the character in the last five six years, mm-hmm. um, you know, followed by what Meredith has done. Um, so, you know, it, it can't be ignored, um, and it cannot be uh, disregarded. It's got to be it's got to be acknowledged and used. Uh, more black magic love from people like Cortland Funk and Robert Lee Jefferson Caulfield. Uh, and Bob Brittall, so I wanted to acknowledge that they were all concerned. Uh, my buddy Jeff Stein, uh, let's see, he wants to know what your thoughts are on the Gotham TV show as much as it is obviously inspired by your source material. Never seen it. Still? Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then again, he asks, uh, we, we, did, we addressed that the Wonder Woman movie won't affect your book. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, when you think of Wonder Woman, which stories and writers do you look at? I look at Perez. Uh, immediately I look at Gail, I look at Phil right off the bat. Sure. Um, those are all very, very crucial sort of benchmarks for me. Um, uh, you know, I've been rereading actually the early Perez issues again. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sort of going back through, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, a, a retread, um, right now. So, you know, uh, There has been there's been there's been some really great stuff done with her, um, and the moments that I think you know, Sam, I get that you know the nice thing and, and one of the one of the joys in being able to work with characters that have these kind of legacies is you get to go back and cherry pick. You know what I mean? You get to say sure. this 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 was an aspect of the character that Gail really played beautifully. I want to incorporate that. You know, here's something that Brian did that I thought was really, really clever. This was really, really bold. You know, I want to use that. You know, this is something that George introduced that was fundamental. 
you know, here's here's uh, an element of, you know, just Diana's character that Phil, you know, Phil clearly loved and you can see why he loved it and, 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 and wanting to use that. But at the same time, at the same time, they hired me, you know, um, they're, they're asking for my take. Uh, and, and in that, it's a balancing act. Um, it's interesting, you know, because once the announcement was made, uh, I pretty much kept my head down. Um, I wasn't at WonderCon except for the announcement. Um, and I was sort of watching my Twitter feed, and I was watching people immediately come up with questions. And then, like, after the first round of questions, you get the requests. And then after the requests, you get the demands. <laughs> and after the demands, you get the threats. And it's like, and, and at a certain point, you, you know, and I can't really respond because I think, I, 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 personally, I think responding too much before anything's out is is a mistake. There is... I think because of the nature of, of, of how media works, people want to know the story before they know the story. And I have no urge in telling people the story before they can read the story. Understood. Um, but there is a certain piece of me, and this is, may sound really snotty, you know, but there's a piece of me that I'll read some of these demands and I'll be like, yeah, but they didn't hire you. <laughs> You know what I mean? I do. And, and and it's not to sound like an ass. I don't I don't want to sound like a schmuck, but it's to say, okay, you know, I'm I'm glad you want this for the character. That's not that's not the place they want me to go. And that's not a place that or that's not a place I have any interest in going. Sure. So you know, I think there's there's always the danger of of trying to please everyone. And that way madness lies and also I think disaster. Agreed. You 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 know, there are gonna be people who aren't gonna like it. And I know that. And 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 I can't do anything about that. The best I can do is tell the best stories about Diana I can tell. Did you have that during your run? Because honestly, I yeah. I okay, because really I liked your run and I know that mostly I I didn't read any unfavorable things. It's it surprised me in the same way that uh when Bendis was writing Avengers and I had no idea that there was this very strong contingent of Avengers yeah. fans until I met them. And yeah. they were very happy to tell me what Brian was doing wrong <laughs> with the Avengers. And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and everybody's got that. Look, there, oh, yeah, there, man. there are two guys I can remember from when I was writing initially. And like two years, three years in a row at San Diego would find me during a signing at the DC booth and would argue with me why Diana needed to wear high heels. I remember the, the one con panel. Where that right. big debate. Go on. Right. And and I don't want Diana in heels. Okay. <laughs> That's that to me is a pet peeve. All right. That my Diana does not wear heels. Okay. My Diana doesn't. Now, that's my Diana. Doesn't mean she never can. Doesn't mean somebody else doesn't, you know, doesn't get to put her in heels. Sure. But, you know, God forbid Liam gives me a page where she's wearing heels. Because you know, he'll hear about it, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, and they and, and they were, you know, God, they were. I love these guys. They were they were terrific. I wish I could remember their names. They were charming and they were funny and they were passionate about it. And it wasn't like they were bullying. 
they would just really, really try to persuade me as to why she should be wearing heels. Now, that's that's on one end of the spectrum. The, you know, Wonder Woman fans are passionate fans. They are. It goes to the strength of these characters. It goes to the strength of Batman and Superman and all of these icons. There are people for whom they speak volumes and they speak to them in deeply personal, meaningful ways. And you just, I mean, you never, ever want to, take that for granted and you never want to disrespect that so that when people disagree with what you're doing with anything be it the avengers be it captain america be it batman you may not you know you, clearly you're not going to be in agreement with them because you wrote it one way and they think you've committed whatever crime but it doesn't invalidate their point of view and part of the strength of these characters is that they incorporate all these things that they are that big. So, you know, there are going to be people I know. There are going to be people who are going to read what we're doing and be like, yeah, you know, and they won't like it. And, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I only hope they give us a chance and maybe they can find something that they do like. But, you know, no writer goes on to a job like this with the intent or hope of pissing people off. You know, the goal, you know, my, my desire is that people will love this. Of course, uh, yeah. You know, but I'll, I'll take I'll take a lot of people like it, you know? <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. And, 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 and I can learn to be content with some people like it if I have to, you know? But... <laughs> I, I can't find the... Pr- oh, here it is. Ryan Daly asked, speaking of boots, can we have Wonder Woman stand on Batman's face again just once? <laughs> J.G. Jones joke, I can see it. <laughs> um, I am particularly fond of that move, I have to admit. <laughs> the idea of Diana just being able to put her foot on somebody, being, don't get up. Um, and that was, did J.G. do that cover? Or did yeah, that, that, was, or did that, that was J.G. That okay. was J.G. All right, that's J.G. awesome. J.G. Jones, cover yes. to the Hikatea. Yeah, Hikatea. Um, yeah. Is that coming back in print? Someone else asked that. Yeah, Hikatea is coming back into print. Outstanding. Um, very good. Which makes me very happy. That That's a book that I have, um, I've been sorry to see out of print for as long as it has been. Will your, uh, will your pre-Infinite Crisis stuff, or even your Infinite Crisis stuff, come back in print as well? Yeah, my understanding is they're reprinting all of it. Fantastic. So, That's yeah. great, man. In the hopes that people will actually read it. <laughs> I, I understand, and, you know, I, I'm going to ask you, and, it, and if you don't want to do this, I'll edit it out, but um, I have, and I'll let you listen to it if you want to hear it first, but you did a panel at Wizard Chicago 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was about, like, the whole Infinite Crisis ramifications. Yeah, and a bunch of scenes that we never got to see in print, but just different things of like how Batman and Superman would react to Wonder Woman killing Max Lord. Yeah, and why she why she did it. And one of my favorite things was like you know Lois telling Clark, "You idiot, she did that because she loves you." And it's yeah. not that she romantically loves you, but you know really does love you as a person and doesn't you know and you were in pain and likely going to die if she didn't do something or forced to do something against your will. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you know, so, so yeah, I don't know if you, because I find it interesting, especially with you coming back to the character, there was a lot of interesting 
thoughts that you had about Diana. And I, like I said, I don't, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's not, you're not like Donald Trump. It's not something that's going to come back and <laughs> bite you in the ass or anything like that. No. And, and I think that, you know, and it's important that this run can't be viewed as an extension of that run. Oh, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since then. And going back and picking up those threads in an immediate sense would be, I think, very foolish. That said, one of the things that I want to do is try to reconcile a whole lot of that water, you know, or I should say that that course of the river. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Max is around in the New 52. He's, he's around in this rebirth story. He's there. At some point in this storyline, there's got to be a moment where they're face-to-face. Because for my own peace of mind, I need to answer that, right? Interesting. Um, so uh, there are there are threads that I intend to pick up if I can find the right way to do it. But I think if that were the only agenda, it would be remarkably self-serving and I think would be a very poor story, frankly. Um, so it becomes a question of where can it be done organically? Where does it make sense? It's the Ferdinand question. Mm-hmm. You know, Is there a way to get Ferdinand in here that makes sense? If there is, I'll do it. And if not, then, you know, presumably Ferdinand's working at some amazingly expensive vegetarian or vegan restaurant in, you know, L.A. um, (laughs) that you've got, you know, that that only does like, you know, that that seats 12 a night. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Will her narrative, this is my question, and, and her actions show how she is different than where she was in the real 10 years ago or 12 years ago when you were writing the character? Will that be self-evident in her mind speak and her actions? Or, as you say, there are certain threads that you're going to address, but you know what I'm saying? That she is different from the way that she was, you know, depicted 12 years ago. Um, hmm, that's a good question. And I say this as a guy who's been, who's spent today writing her. Um, I think there's a consistency, you know, that, that Wonder Woman is still very much evident. Okay. Um, but that Wonder Woman is influenced by all the things that have come before. And, and, and this is the other part of it, right? You can't write a story that requires people to be up to speed on a storyline that happened 12 years ago. Right. That's just, that's a, that's a surefire way to shoot yourself in both feet and then the kneecaps, you know what I mean? I just, and, and, and so I don't. I really don't want anybody coming to this feeling that they have to have had all this other knowledge. I want people to pick, if they, if they pick up Wonder Woman number one and it is the first Wonder Woman issue they pick up, it should still work. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, there are questions about Renee and uh, Kate, but as you said, you are contracted for 24 Wonder Woman issues yeah. as of now for the next year. Yes, and I love Renee, and I love Kate, and again, if there's an organic, easy way to get them in, I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they cameo at some point, but, you know, uh, I, I ain't writing them right now. Understood. That was for Andrew and others that uh, asked that question. Um, I'm, like, scanning. All right, and then the other uh, 
question on Twitter before I go back to Facebook. Why do you take every opportunity to not write the Doom Patrol? <laughs> so obviously Hicks feels from Twitter that you would be excellent on uh, on a Doom Patrol book. I have never even considered that. Um, why do I take every opportunity to not? I guess mostly because nobody's ever said, hey, you'd be great on Doom Patrol. Um that that that's not one I've ever even considered. I thought I have to write Elastic Girl and uh, it could be fun. And, and it could be fun. Larry Trainer, interesting guy, negative man. Yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. Niles, the you know Niles Calder, of course. No, I'm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess to answer the question, it's uh, nobody's asked. There you go. So <laughs> he's the first. He may be the first person who has ever asked that. So. Rick Gordon wants to know, he worked at a comic shop called Iron Vicks when he was a student at Vassar, or when you were a student at Vassar. Oh, my God. He was one of your uh, their top customers. Uh, do yeah. you have any fond memories of Iron Vicks? Yes. Yes, I do. And in point of fact, I proposed to my wife on a walk to Iron Vicks. Aw. Uh, one, one, one cold, uh, late, wintry morning. Adorable. Uh, well, except it was, it was a bass Ackwards proposal. We were we were walking to pick up our comics and we were talking about well this and that and what's going to happen after he graduates and so on and I forget the phrasing but it was like something 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 and then you know after we get married blah 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 and I had continued on and it had gone about another half a block before I realized I had lost Jen you know and I turned around and she was still standing there looking at me and she was like did you just propose and I was like not properly you know? <laughs> so yeah no man I, I you know I, I picked up this 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 dates me you know uh, my friend Nunzio D. Philippus and I would go to that store that was where I was picking up the question awesome. and that was Denny and Dennis yes indeed that was you know that was that was my store for four years I hear you man <laughs> I'm, I'm only five years ahead of you yeah, absolutely <laughs> so yeah by then I was out of school but uh yeah that yeah that, good times man that's amazing. Yeah, I spent I spent a whole lot of my beer money on funny books there. Yep. Um, Jacques Jacques Mofo. <laughs> <laughs> oui. Exactly. Please tell him I followed his work, novels and comics, faithfully across companies and have enjoyed it immensely for 16 years now. And I think wow. well of him, and I wish him well. The Wonder Woman title being yanked from him and given to Heinberg marked the end of a DC Golden Age. Uh, basically from the Wolfman and Perez Titans run up until that DC was cranking out classic high quality superhero comics and beginning of the beginning of a gradual descent to the point where I don't read DC comics anymore and they're my favorite characters uh, because it seems they have a lot of touch with much what makes them unique uh, are you aware that your return to Wonder Woman is a signifier of an about face and possible return to quality for DC and are you willing to accept the burden of that so, <laughs> and that the return after public expressing a lot of ambivalence seems like a de facto endorsement of rebirth you're one of the few creators you've complete respect for, so I hope he's all in, and this is a sign of a turnaround from my favorite set of characters. Jacques um, Mofo, everybody. Oh, that. Well, one, thank you. Two, yes, of course I'm all in. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have taken the gig if I wasn't going to be. Um, it's as simple as that. Um, you know, we talked about this at the start. You know, uh, I, 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 I serve at the pleasure of the character, uh, and you don't do that half-assed. Um, I <clears throat> I did not agree to come back 
because I thought this was going to be an insincere or half-hearted commitment on the part of the publisher towards the line. Um, they mean it. I know how hard they're working behind the scenes. I know how careful they're being. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there and a lot of people who maintain that they know what's going on. Um, and then there's, you know, rumors and there are leaks and et cetera, et cetera. And this was the case back when I was at DC before I left. It remains the case now. Most of the time, what you are hearing is maybe 1% of the truth. Um, <clears throat> the stories are always much more complex. I would not, I can only reiterate this, I would not be doing this job if I didn't believe in the commitment of the publisher to the line. Very cool. John Dennett basically asked the same question, so I think you have answered that. Back to a lighter question, Mac Jeske asks, is there a way to do the bondage elements of Wonder Woman but still have it be a mainstream book? Well, I don't know what he means by that. I think that if, if he's talking about just the fundamental nature of the costume, you know, that she's a dominatrix, uh, and yet she's a dominatrix wearing, quote-unquote, the manacles of submission, it's part of the character design. Mm-hmm. I am not really interested in uh, playing with that story. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not interested in, 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 in that kind of fetishizing. That said, I'm fully aware that when she ties somebody up and they have to tell her the truth, there's an element of dominance and submission involved in that. True. Um, and lies ties into that with the magic lasso, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's not working. Well, no. Oh, okay. No, no actually, there's a, there's a moment in Rebirth um, where the lasso is very crucial. Okay. Um, but as I have said many times before, it's not a lasso. It's a whip. Um, and it is. It's a whip, guys. Uh, it's a magic whip. Interesting. So, look, the, you know, she was created by a man who believed that, you know, the future of civilization was going to be guided by uh, the male of the species engaging in loving submission to dominant women. Um, that's in the DNA of the character. Mm -hmm. So it's always there on some level. Uh, but... I'm never going to write a story where somebody's paying Diana uh, to, you know, whip them <laughs> or, or, or to call them a naughty boy. Uh, well, no. And, and, hey, well, there was those. Who was, who was the artist? Who, were, who was the artist during those first 10 years? Oh, God. I'm trying I forget to his name. It starts with a D. Right, right. But, and, and you've got, you know, stories of Diana putting a guy over her knee and giving him a paddling. Absolutely. Um, you know what? Much harder to actually get away with that. <laughs> Not because, yeah, you know, because at, at, at the time it was one kind of statement. If you do that now, it's going to read either as camp, <laughs> right? Right. You know, I mean, I don't know. Camp, uh, an insult to, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, well, and 
I don't, you know, look, I, as I said earlier, I'm not going to say never. I just find it hard to find a moment. <laughs> I, I can't envision the moment where she's going to have somebody and say, you know, have, you know, have, you know, angle man over her knee and go, you're a naughty boy. Spank, spank, spank. I don't see it. Doesn't mean it can't happen. I just don't see it. There you go. So. I don't know either. Steve, Steve Trevor's 30th birthday or something. Yeah, exactly. Like that, you know? <laughs> um. I think, uh, yeah, the only other, uh, Scott Larson made the comment, I gave a talk to some college students last night who don't remember or know anything about your first run with the character. They also had no clue where the Infinite Crisis was. I felt very old. Yes, me too. (laughs) (laughs) As we've just discovered, it was 12 years ago? It was. It was like 2004. Yeah, man. Insane. Insane. And I think, well... Our first encounter was at a Wizard Chicago, and I, I was telling you how much I love Detective and Sean Martinborough and yours. Yeah. Amazing work. Yeah. So. That Sean's so good. Yeah, he is. I'm really happy for him. Thief of Thieves continues to be awesome. and Yeah, he's dynamite. Very cool. Absolutely. Cool. So that's your Facebook feed, is it? Uh, yeah, I think we're. I think that's all the questions I had. Did you have any questions that you got that? Uh... I think there was some stuff on Twitter. Is there anything on Twitter? Because, yeah, I, well, Twitter? I, I went through them. Oh, let's see. There might be two more. No, uh... I, I know that I know that uh, I know that a friend of mine asked about uh, oh. a Hamilton reference. Yes, I was going to say there are two. How probable is it Diana will be seeing or listening to, uh, seen listening to Hamilton? Will she even be able to get tickets? Uh, well, she, not only if she could she get tickets, my God, they'd put her in the front row. <laughs> um, and you know that they'd use her for a ham for ham too. Let's be honest. Um, and, and that's a deep cut for all the ham trash out there. Um, I suspect that that book is so, uh, that, 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 that musical right now is so part of our lives and our household that it's affecting me in ways I don't even know. So I would be very surprised if there isn't a Hamilton reference in there at some point without me even meaning to put it in. So, Yeah. <laughs> Or, or I suppose the proper answer is wait for it, um, and 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 everybody will know what it means. So there you go. Awesome. That was yeah. I, I think Walker on Twitter, yeah, asked that question. So and uh, Andrea Lehman says thank you for coming back. That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> Andrew, and, and or pardon me, Andrew Lehman asked or told you that. Very kind. Yeah, that's yeah. No, I think that's it. Well, then, and then uh, Queen and Country. Any any chance of uh, Queen and Country the new stuff? And that seems to be in the far future. We talked about that. I think on the last debrief. I'm not. You know, I've got a story, but I have no idea when I would ever get a chance to write it. Okay. Um, I I don't know. You know, there the. If there is no more Queen and Country, are you are you content with what's? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think yeah. we certainly ended up. The last run left her in a very good place. Mm-hmm. I think if, if if the last run is the last Queen and Country story, that's that is a perfectly appropriate place to have ended. Um, I know for a fact that should we do more Q and C at any point, uh, it's not it, it's Tara's story, but it, Tara, you know, it it. it it becomes about Tara and somebody else as opposed to Paul and Tara. 
So right. Well, yeah, Atari is is the new C and everything. Yeah. Well, and, new Diops. Sorry, new Diops. I'm sorry. Yeah, the new Diops. And then uh, yeah, is Nikki Poole gonna take that place in the field or? Oh, you know, if I get back there, Nikki is Nikki's number one. So yeah. Okay. Dude, I'm telling you, I, I said this off the air. Chris Robertson and I at C2E2 the last night were having dinner, and we were talking about sandbaggers and Queen and Country and just going over our favorite sandbagger episodes and some of our favorite Queen and Country stories. And yeah. Good I stuff, love man. that show. Oh, I God, yeah. The one that I thought of was when Willie was on the uh, the plane that's hijacked. Yes, that's Decision by Committee. Attaboy. <laughs> one of my favorite episodes ever. So goddamn good. Yeah, folks, if you have not bought... The DVDs of the Sandbaggers. It's on Amazon, and if you really, if you never, I, I, first of all, you must have at least been aware of Queen and Country's inspiration because Greg has certainly done. I've never been too. shy about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and yeah, what a what a great series. And and truly, yeah, you know, if if you haven't and read Queen and Country and haven't re- watched the Sandbaggers, you may as, you you really need to because it's that great Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy kind of. Uh, working class spy stuff. I just saw the Ipcris file again in the last uh-huh. month or so. T- Turner ran it. And, you know, again, it's that, that real... Another classic. Yeah, that realistic view of, of the Secret yeah. Service and stuff. Yeah. So. The, 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 I'm always fascinated by the human cost. You know, uh, I'm always, always fascinated by... And this, this is across the board. You know, you, you'll see it, I think, in Wonder Woman as well. You know, we... When you ask difficult things of people and they rise to it and they give it there's the price they end up paying one way or another uh, it doesn't always have to be you know as as grossly traumatic as it is for say tara but you know that's what these stories are about and and i think especially in the dc universe one of the beauties of the dc universe and uh, these characters is they rise to heroism and they make these sacrifices and they do it on a very fundamental level of because it's the right thing to do. And that's become a surprisingly rare brand of heroism, um, you know, in, in our, in our modern mythology. Um, we don't see a whole lot of people doing right simply because it's right. Um, we don't, we don't see a lot of stories where people are, willing to put themselves on the line for no other reason than somebody else must. Uh, and, you know, at, at their best, that's what superhero stories are about. You know, they're aspirational stories. And I think here's a good last one for uh, regarding Wonder Woman from Maricela Gonzalez. What do you consider Wonder Woman's recurring internal and external conflicts to be? That, I saw that question. I saw that question and I was like, that's a really good one. Yeah. Her recurring internal and that, well, her externals are fairly easy. I think her externals are that, you know, she seeks to bring understanding to a lot of people who are perfectly happy to remain ignorant. Um, and that's not simply her saying, this is the information, this is the knowledge, this is the wisdom. As much as there are plenty of people who just don't want to hear what the other side has to say in anything. And one of the things that Diana strives for is to hear the sides. Um, I think her... You know, one of the things that the character 
at her best does is is meet people in the middle and bring them together. Um, she unifies, I think, in, in, in a really beautiful way. Um, and I think that that is a constant battle for her. <coughs> so that would be external. Internal? Recurring? <coughs> That's a really good question. Um, and I think in part we're going to be looking at it. I think... she is never not going to be a stranger in a strange land. Um, and when you're a stranger in a strange land, you're always a little alone. And when there are people who are going to hate you simply by dint of what you are and what you represent, uh, you're always going to be a little alone. And it really doesn't matter uh, if the bullets can be deflected, um, you know. Yeah, you'd say, would you say she's not really, that she feels that way in both worlds, in Thermoscara and in Man's World, for a lack of, you know, or whatever, the DC universe. Yeah. Because certainly I mean, there, are, think, there are women, there are probably Amazonians that resent her. I, for, You know, here's the thing, and this is one of the things we're going to talk about in year one. The moment she leaves... Is a moment that gets overlooked in her story far too often. And it gets diminished. And it gets taken for granted. And it gets painted in a way that I don't think is fair to the rest of the Amazons. Um, remember, there was a contest to see who would go. Right. Yes. All of them were willing. All of them were willing. It was Diana who won. So to imply that any Amazon looks at her for having gone to do this thing and thinks lesser of her for having done it, I think is a misreading of that origin and of who the Amazons are. When the call came, and Themyscira said, holy shit, the outside world has breached us for the first time in thousands of years. The gods have allowed this. Here is why. Ares will consume the world in fire. Somebody must go and return this man to his home. Somebody must go and stop Ares. Every Amazon was willing to do it. So why would any of them look at Diana and be like, well, you left? You know, it doesn't make any sense. I meant more of a jealousy thing, too. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. But, you know, this is, here's the thing, all right? And this is, and this is where I diverge from recent history, and I, and I will offer this up. It's Paradise Island. There is this belief, I think, on some level that to make Diana, quote-unquote, more relatable... Right, we have to give her traumas, but those traumas don't reconcile with what the Amazons are supposed to be. Okay. And they figured it out. They've got the idea. It's Paradise Island. They've they they they've had three thousand years. Yeah. Um, it's not a big community. Everybody <laughs> knows everybody's name. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, everybody figured out how to get along. Right. 
everybody is fine with you know whoever whoever is sleeping with whom or however many people are sleeping with however many people nobody has a problem with how anybody else dresses nobody gives a rat's ass how you wear your hair no amazon looks at another amazon and says you're not amazon enough right you know nobody no you know philippa doesn't turn to io and say you spend too much time working at the forge if you were a real amazon you'd go out and do more hunting nobody does that they feed, you know everybody is an amazon they're a sisterhood they are sisters and they are content in that they know what they've got um that's why it's paradise sure and they work to maintain it um and and she has to come from that because if she doesn't come from that then she has sacrificed nothing by leaving okay okay and speaking of her two sisters uh, you know donna is coming back and is already back in titan's hunt and seems like she'll survive the rebirth cassie is there will they figure into the story at all uh i suspect not on my immediate agenda okay but like i said i'm, I'm I've, I've got got the first 12 tightly blocked i've got up to 18 more loosely okay. um we'll see you know it's a lot of issues man <laughs> and, yeah, and they man, come, no i know and this they is... and they come fast so people well, yeah, this... are and, and i understand people are excited and, and they want to know now you know what, what is going to be there sure. what's going to be there and it's like yeah yeah everybody keep your powder dry <laughs> keep your powder dry Give, give us some time. The book, the rebirth issue itself, doesn't come out till June. Okay, I'm let's, up to that too. Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 get there, and then we can start again making requests. So no, I I honestly, and you know that I mean this when I said I wish you guys good luck in terms of the double shipping because yeah, that's shit's moving fast. And I mean, it, like you said, you've got it solved having Liam and, and Nicola, and it sounds like you've got a system in place, and you know. I, I hope it. I hope it works out well. Yeah, so do I. I think it's exciting. I have to say, I'm, I, I, I think, I think at least the the way we're working these first twelve is going to be pretty cool. And then what we do with thirteen, I'm very excited with uh, as well. Because you had this story is going to shift at that point in a way that I don't think anybody will expect. So. Okay, and I know too that fifty two was different in that you had three other writers and you had Keith doing the breakdowns and you had, you know, and you had Siglane and you had, uh, uh, Steve also, uh, you know, both, both of those guys, uh, editing and stuff. So it was different. Does it feel at all like 52? No, no, it actually doesn't. Okay. Um, uh, and, and, and thank you very much for bringing that up. John. <laughs> no, because, because I think if somebody, had, if anybody had turned to me and said, It'll be like 52, except you're doing it by yourself. I would have said, are you out of your mind? And I would have run screaming. <laughs> and it's not that I didn't enjoy 52, but I didn't enjoy 52. You don't enjoy that experience. Understood. You know what I mean? It, it's not that I look back at it and I say, oh, my God, it was hell, because it wasn't. There was some great stuff. But, oh, man, that was a rough year. You know what I, I mean? That was, that, was, that was a rough year. Um, and I'm not a young man. Uh, I agree, man. Well, and also maybe from that idea of that you guys really didn't know what you were getting into and that, you know, had you known that maybe, maybe it wouldn't have happened because, you know, obviously I know it was overwhelming, but I mean, the great thing is, and I know you mentioned it because I heard about that during the live stream. I wasn't able to watch it, 
but that they kind of went around the horn. What's your favorite book or whatever, and or what you thought was significant? And obviously, you said fifty-two. Yeah, yeah, because I still think it was an. Uh, I, I still think it was a very worthy accomplishment. Yep. You know that we we it holds together all the way, um, and I think in some ways it works because we didn't know that it couldn't. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was like we. We were blissfully ignorant in what we were getting into. And then once we knew what we had gotten into, it was too damn late. So, you know, it's like, well, we're going all the way, guys. Well, as I said, I I really loved your Wonder Woman run, and I was sorry that circumstances led to it ending. Uh, I'm glad that you're back, and it sounds like you are very creatively inspired. And it sounds like you got the right people that are equally inspired to uh, help you execute this thing. So, Yeah, absolutely. I am, uh, I, I mean, in all, you know, they, look, people have every reason to be suspicious. Um, it's a tall order. Just, you know, calling anything rebirth puts a huge, huge weight on it. But I have to say, I am, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> look, man, I'm getting pages of Liam Sharp art and it's stunning. And I'm seeing pages of Nicholas Scott art and it's stunning. And, yeah. you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting words in Diana's mouth <laughs> that feel like the right ones. So I am really, really, uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be doing this. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. No, it's great. I, I knew you had a lot more to say with the character and I'm glad that this opportunity came at the right time and that you guys are taking advantage of it and run with the ball, man. Well, uh, you know, in, in, a, in roughly a year's time, I guess we'll, we'll be able to talk about whether or not uh, we, we've, we've made it uh, to the goal. Indeed. So. Indeed. And looking forward to the source book for Lazarus and uh, more Stumptown and Lady Saber when it comes back. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, and the Black Magic uh, arc uh, is finished and the trade is coming up, right? Trade. Yep. When is trade out again? Uh, I believe next month. Very cool. So in yeah. April. Okay. Yeah. Excellent, man. Thanks. Well, dude, seriously, thanks a lot for uh, for letting me be the one to kind of be your soapbox and uh, give you a chance to, to talk about this because uh, oh, I appreciate it. Always, always a pleasure to talk, John. And hopefully, we'll uh, we'll talk in a in a, in a few and uh, get an update on on things. Honestly, if you if, maybe if we've got time, and if you if you're interested in giving your opinion on on the film when you see it, because I do, I I'm really interested. I'm dying to talk about it with someone else who saw it and also I'm I do think it's worth seeing I'll say this much right now because this is my first chance to talk about it I I, I have my problems with it that uh, you know I think you and I would agree on a lot of things uh, when you see it problems that I have with Man of Steel that continue in this movie um, but I do think it's worth seeing for its flaws because I think it inspires good conversation uh, and uh, I, it, I wonder what kind of legs it's going to have because of the mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. You know, it certainly had a very big opening weekend, but, you know, Age of Ultron had a pretty big weekend, too, and ultimately I don't think it did as well as every uh, as the powers that be wanted it to, and I have to say I think it's a, uh, that's, that was kind of a flawed movie and in uh-huh. a different way. So it'll be well, interesting. We will see. All right, man. Well, thanks for playing, and, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, hear what the, we'll hear what the minions say. All right. When they get a hold of it. Thanks so much, John. You have a good night. There you go. Another Rucker debrief in the books and another Word Balloon podcast in the books. Thanks a lot for listening today. And thank you, Greg, 
uh, for uh, wanting to share his thoughts uh, with the Word Balloon audience first. That was really nice. And, uh, you know, it's those kind of relationships that uh, those kinds of relationships that really make Word Balloon the unique podcast that it is. And I hope you appreciate it. I certainly do. And uh, it only makes for more interesting conversation when uh, the creators are, are willing to, you know, get behind the scenes and really uh, explain the comic book business beyond their stories and uh, beyond their uh, writing or uh, art process. So uh, thank you uh, for listening today. It was all brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Uh, again, great sales are happening. 45% off currently all DC and Marvel titles at InStock Trades. Uh, they also have a huge clearance sale of certain books up to 70% off. Some of the deals this week include books like World's Funniest. I mentioned it before. Evan Dorkin and Kevin O'Neill, a tremendous, very funny Mr. Mixies Pitalik versus Batmite matchup. And uh, it is 45% off, just $10.99. You can get from uh, Valiant the Book of Death deluxe hardcover of Robert Vendetti and Robert Gill, among others. Uh, 30% off, $27.99. You can also get Paper Girls from Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang, the excellent image series. Volume 1 is out. It collects issues 1 through 5, 50% off, $4.99. How about the Secret Wars hardcover? The event wrapped up. Uh, Isad Ribic and Jonathan Hickman doing an excellent job setting uh, the new status quo for uh, all new, all different Marvel or whatever the hell it's called right now. But uh, Secret Wars was a tremendous story. And uh, it's available for 45% off this deluxe hardcover, $27.50. You can get Faster Than Light, Trade Paperback, Volume 1. That's Brian Haberlin, Habler, uh, and uh, he's writing and drawing it, I guess. Is he? Is he drawing, writing and drawing? Yes, he is, absolutely. Uh, this is a great sci-fi book that's 50% off, $4.99. You can also get The Uncanny Inhumans. From uh, various writers and artists, uh, this is a good selection of uh, inhuman stuff, 50% uh, off. Uh, Charles Scholl and uh, Steve McNiven among the uh, creators on the Unha Uncanny Inhumans, uh, $8.99 for uh, that trade paperback. Just some of the great deals you can find at InStockTrades.com. Don't take my word for it. Go to the website yourself and find the savings you won't believe. InStockTrades.com. Thanks a lot for listening today. April is going to be insane. So many people have uh, said yes and have time-sensitive conversations. We still have a back catalog of stuff we haven't gotten to from March, but uh, it's going to come fast and furious all month long here at Word Balloon. Some really interesting surprises and uh, great uh, returns from a lot of your favorite guests as well. So looking forward to a very fun April. Join me, won't you, for these 30 days. Uh, if you can, uh, check out our Patreon page at wordballoon.com. And uh, if you can subscribe to the show, I sure do appreciate the support. Also, if you listen to the show via iTunes, do me a favor, uh, rate the show, write a review, good or bad. I can take it, but uh, that keeps us uh, in the uh, prominent uh, position over at iTunes, and people can find the show that much easier with the amount of reviews. And also, a bunch of my old reviews got wiped out, which really sucks. So uh, if you could help me out, uh, I really would like to get, you know, over 100 reviews, and uh, it'll only happen with your help. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you in a few days. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2016. <laughs>